If you have your Bibles, if you could open them up to Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs chapter 18, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12. And while you're doing that, let me tell you just briefly, and I wish I had time to really um, dig into this a little bit more and give you some more backstory, but tornadoes were a new experience for Denise and I when we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, 1992. We lived there for three years, and our area where the church that I youth pastored at, our area was Marietta, Georgia, and Marietta, Georgia is known as, that whole region known as Tornado Alley. And there was a severe tornado that touched down. We were coming back from a retreat where we took about 30 teens to Florida. We combined with another church down there. We're coming back and the skies were getting darker and darker. We didn't have cell phones at that point. And we had the radio and the radio was saying there's a tornado warning. But I've got all these teens and I got to get them home and it's dark now. By the time we got in Marietta, it was, it was around nine o'clock at night. And if you know my lovely wife, she does not like stormy weather. She does not like being unsafe. And so she was not very happy with me because I kept driving and I wanted to get kids to their families and I wanted to get home. And honestly, I'm a risk taker. I love storms. I love being out in storms. How many of you love being out in a storm? Raise your hand. How many of you are less manly? Or I'm sorry. How many of you, Rhonda would say that, of course, she is less manly. She's fully womanly. But if you like storms like I do, then I'm having a great time. I mean, debris is flying all over the place. I'm not exaggerating. And Denise is getting madder and madder, but sometimes Denise will just go into radio silence mode when she's really mad at me. Not often. I kind of wish she would a little more, but she's not going to see this. She won't see this tomorrow, and I won't say it tomorrow when she hears me preach. And you won't tell her about that. Right? And so she's quiet, and I know she's mad, but I want to get home. And we found out the next day. In fact, one of my youth leaders said, Tim, you got to come over and see this. We go over to his apartment. We were driving right through there. In his apartment was a shingle that came flying through the window and embedded itself corner into his wall and stuck there. And around his apartment complex, trucks and cars were literally flipped over or piled on top of other vehicles. It was a very dangerous situation. So where do you go? Where do you go when you hear a tornado siren go off? Well, if you are smarter than I am, you go into the most interior, safest structure you can find. But where do you go? Now listen, here's the whole point of this. Where do you go when your life encounters a storm? Now don't be too quickly to answer that. Or don't quickly answer that. I want you to think through that. Where do you go when your life encounters a storm? Where we ought to go, where we're going to learn to go, is right into the strong tower of the Lord. We've been in a series going through Proverbs. Today is our final weekend in Proverbs. We're going to transition with this sermon and we're going to begin studying for the summer the names of God. 
We've been in this series, and the series, if you remember, I don't know if you remember, but it's called Living Wisely in a Foolish World. How do you live wisely in a foolish world? And what we've learned is God gives us wisdom when we ask. And wisdom is the power of God to be able to live in a way that he is pleased with and that furthers his gospel. That's the power of wisdom. And if you lack it, you ask for it. And wisdom will help us to live pleasingly to him in a foolish world. So we're transitioning today. So here we go. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 10 through 12. Let's read them together. And let's do something we haven't done for a while. Let's stand up. And let's give honor. And let's give respect to the word of God. You know what we do when we stand up, when we read the word of God? What we do is we say this. God, your word... Your word is in authority over my life and I will yield to it and I will learn from it and I will seek to live it out. So here we go. Proverbs 18 verse 10. I read it. You follow along in your own heart and your own mind. The name of the Lord verse 10 is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall in his imagination. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. You may be seated. So how can we endure? How can we endure? How can we survive? But listen, look at me. How can we do more than that? How can we thrive when storms overtake us in life? Because listen, here's the truth. Now, I'm going to say something so profoundly simple that you're going to wonder why I'm taking the 30 seconds to say it. But here it is. You're either heading into a storm, in a storm, or coming out of a storm. There's only three options. You're either going into one, you're in one, or you're coming out of one. But storms are a part of life. Trials are a part of life. Suffering is a part of life. And how do we weather them? How do we flee into the strong tower of the Lord? Well, Solomon, as he's been doing, is going to teach his son how to live wisely when life becomes difficult and he's giving us the same lessons. Here's step number one. Here's number one thing that we need to know. Christian, you need to know your God. You've got to know your God. The name of the Lord, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now throughout the Bible, names were given to children and they had special meaning or they had special significance. I'm going to give you three examples. You ready? Adam means red earth. He was made out of Georgia clay. Okay, that was a joke. But he his name means red earth, made out of the dust, made out of the dirt. Jacob means cheater or heel grabber. He's going to live that out, but God later changes his name to Israel, which means prince with God. So there's times where significant events occur in a, in a biblical saint's life and that person's name is changed. That happens for men and that happens for women. Moses means drawn forth. Well, you remember the backstory. He was plucked from the Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter. Listen, names were important. 
They were significant. And the same is true of God's name. He's been, he's given us several names that we might know him. Now listen, because his names reveal his character. Now some of you know this. And there's that almost irresistible impulse to say, wow, wake me up when I don't know something that he's saying. Well, back it up a little bit and let's drive this into our souls. God's names that he gives us reveal his character and we've got to learn them so that we can know him so that we can be anchored in him because God wants to be known by us. Did you know that? How whispery that is until you really see it in all of its boldness in John 17. Here's what Jesus says. And this is eternal life. Now listen, that you, that they know you, Father, that they know you, the only true God and me and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. So I want you to hear that again. Here is eternal life. Ready? He defines it that you might know God and Jesus. I mean, God is so infinitely vast that we will be Christian brother and sister in eternity, 10 million years into eternity. And all of a sudden God says, hey, let me show you something about me that I've not shown you before. We will never not be knowing God. We will know him eternally because his depth is infinite. Now, we don't understand that because really nothing in the physical life that we intersect with is like that. And we just don't get that. And I remember as a little boy when I would sit and I would hear the pastor preach that God had no beginning and he has no end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And we're going to live in eternity. And I would go home as a little boy and I would sit. I'm not kidding. I would sit on my bed and I would begin to try to comprehend what would it be like to live day after day, year after year for eternity. And literally my mind would get dizzy. It's because the finite can't truly grasp the infinite. You can't get a hold of it. There's no placeholder to really get it. So when when I tell you what Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, what he's saying is, God, these are your children, and they're going to know you, and they're going to know me increasingly for eternity. This is a vast thought. But eternal life begins, now listen, not when I do your funeral, if I would be privileged or if you did my funeral. That's not when eternity begins for the believer. Eternity began for the believer, began for you, Christian brother and sister, and me, the moment we put our faith exclusively in Jesus Christ as the only means for salvation. Eternity, wham, right there. And thus the journey to know God begins. And here in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord. I want you to see that word, Lord. The name of the Lord is Jehovah. The self-existing one. You know what's so cool? To the nations... All around Israel, to all the people groups other than Israel, God only revealed himself, that's actually not correct. God revealed himself as Elohim, 
which is translated God in English. Only to Israel. Now listen, you got to get this. This is significant people of God. Only to Israel and only to his people, even the church, the true Christian, is God revealing himself as Jehovah. It's Israel's privilege to have that password into God's infinite blessings. No other nation had it. You ever had an important, powerful person give you his private cell phone number and tell you to call it any time you need? Well, that's exponentially multiplied to the infinite degree. That's what God did when he said out of that burning bush, Moses, this is who you tell the people I am. I am. That's Jehovah. It's God's covenant name. It's a name that reveals God's essential. Now listen, the reason I'm digging into this, the reason I'm unpacking it, run into that strong tower, right? Well, you've got to know the name of the Lord and then run into that strong tower. You gotta know who this is. God's revealing Himself. It's a name that reveals that God's, it's a name that reveals God's essential, eternal, permanent existence. Nobody created God. God wasn't born. There wasn't a collision of matter in the cosmos and here's God. God is the eternally self-existing, has been eternally self-existing and always will be eternally self-existing, which means this, his life is derived or comes out of himself. That's not true for any other person, not for you or me. Nobody on this planet. Our life came out of a woman and a man that got together and conceived us, not God. Whenever we see that word, Lord, now listen, I want you to look at your your Bibles for a minute. Look at verse 10. Because if you've got a modern translation, it's all capital letters. They actually call it small capital letters, not lowercase, small capital. L-O-R-D, all caps. And whenever you see that in your Bible, then you're seeing the name Jehovah. Now, if you've got a Bible and you've got a pen, I would really encourage you, underline Lord and put in your margin Jehovah. Put it in there because you're going to want to know that. Capital Lord is Jehovah. But the name Jehovah, now this is going to be interesting, I think, at least it is for me. The name Jehovah actually began with the name Yahweh. Y-H-W-H, no vowels. It's called the Tetragrammaton. It means four words, four letters if you play Tetris. Four blocks. Yahweh. It's a name so sacred to the ancient Jews and today to modern conservative ones that they would not even speak it. They would not even write it. If they're reading the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures and here comes Yahweh, all capital letters, Lord in English, which is Jehovah in the transliteration. If they came to Yahweh, they wouldn't even speak it. They would go silent, pick up the next word. 
Well, Jewish tradition says that the only time that name was pronounced, the name Yahweh was on the Day of Atonement one time a year by the high priest as he entered the Holy of Holies. When the Jewish scribes copied the scriptures, they would stop when they came to the name Yahweh. And there's a lot of occurrences of this name. They would stop and they would take off their old clothes. They would take a bath in ritual water. They would put on brand new clothes, get a brand brand new quill with a brand new ink pot and then begin writing again. It was so sacred that they guarded it with everything they could. So in order, here's how they guarded it. And you're going to see this little chart up here. It'll make sense. They took Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, had no vowels, and they took the name Adonai, and took the vowels from Adonai and put it into Yahweh and came out with Jehovah or Yehovah, if you want to pronounce it like that. It could go either way. So now you've got this safe to speak and write name of Jehovah. So what we're looking at with all capital letter Lord is the name Jehovah, which came from Yahweh. Yet there's something more incredible about the name Jehovah that I've got to tell you about. Do you remember I said that God spoke from that burning bush to Moses? And Moses asked him, who should I tell Israel who is sending me? And God said, tell them my name, my name I am, Jehovah, Yahweh. Well, listen to John eight fifty eight. Jesus is speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, here we go, I am. Whose voice was speaking from that burning bush to Moses? Listen, that was the voice of Jesus. That was Yahweh. That is Jehovah. And the Jews knew what he was claiming. They were irate when he said that. They picked up stones and they tried to kill him. Yet he escaped from them. Yet they were missing the clear clues in scripture. Even in Proverbs chapter 30 verse 4. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? Now listen. And what is his son's name? See, the deity of Christ, that God the Father has a son, is all through the Old Testament. It's in Proverbs, and the Proverbs ends with this statement. Surely, you know. Well, maybe we don't know that well. What is his name? Proverbs 30. Well, it's an invitation to know him. Now listen, this is the most important thing I think I'm going to tell you in this message. God's name reveals a particular character that he possesses. And when you know the name of God that the Bible is revealing then you can embrace that character. You can run into that attribute and your faith and the power of your faith will grow. Because God has revealed himself through his word. Here. You want to know God? Listen. Don't sit down in a lotus position and try to empty your mind. 
and wait for a consciousness to speak in. You'll get somebody speaking. It may not be God. See, he didn't reveal himself through some mysterious, abstract, nebulous voice. He revealed himself through his word, and his word gives you his names. And when God gives you his names, he's showing us his character. And when he shows us his character, he's saying this is something to hang your faith on. And here comes a storm. And Christian brother and sister, you better know God's names. Because it will move you to run into him. And he will be that strong tower. Listen to Daniel. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. You want to be powerful? Do you want to be strong? Do you want to do more than survive storms in life? you want to thrive underneath the whirling black clouds of a trial? Then you've got to know God as he has revealed himself in the word of God. Know his names. And Daniel says, you will stand firm and you will take action. You know, every time that God wanted Abraham to reach a little higher in his faith, listen, he revealed yet another of his names to him. And that's going to be true for you, brother and sister, that you're going to get to the point where all of a sudden God reveals yet another part of who he is to you. And you're going to see it either in a new way or a fresh way. And it's going to flood strength of faith into your life. You may be meandering. You may be losing your way in your faith. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to bring you back. And when he does, it's almost always in a storm of life. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, verse 10 says. For his name, Jehovah, means he is eternally self-existent, meaning he owes no one for his life. His name means he is ever above us. He is greater than we will ever be. He is greater than anyone. His name means he is personally aware of you and he's concerned for me. His name means he's utterly unable to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His name means he is righteous. He is absolutely unable to do you wrong. The mighty name of Jehovah is a strong tower to his people. And the righteous flee into that indestructible fortress and they are safe. So number one, Christian, it's time to get serious and know your God. Study and show yourself approved. Dig into God's eternal word. And know how he has revealed himself. But number two, Christian, brother and sister, you got to run into your tower. Look what it says, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now note the verb, note the action. The righteous man runs into it. Runs into it and is safe. And there's three things I really want to bring out. First is we've got to run. We have to run into the strong, secure name of Jehovah. Not take your time. Don't walk. Don't meander there. Don't get there when you've got time. You've got to run. You want to know the back story that's in Solomon's mind when he's writing this? Very, very popular. Very regular occurrence in that day. 900 or 850 or so BC. Listen, you're a, you're a farmer. I'm a farmer. 
We're living back in Solomon's day. And not everybody lives in the city. Most people live outside the city walls because they're farming the fields. The fields aren't in the city. They're outside the city. And so you're encouraged to live outside the city and farm the produce, farm the crops so that you can bring them into the markets and sell. And the people in the city, including the king, has food to eat. So you're living out in the city, out of the city. You're living out in the farms. You've got barns. You've got storehouses. You've got a home. And all of a sudden, you hear a silver trumpet blare from a mountaintop. And then all of a sudden, your other ear hears it returned from the fortress in the city. And you know, as well as everybody else, what that means. There's a strong enemy that has come against you. That's the warning. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to take our children. And we're going to take whatever we can carry. We're going to load it into a wagon and take our fastest horses and our donkeys and hitch them up. And we are going to flee into the safety of our city. Because no one stays out of the, stays out of the city when the enemy comes. Because the enemy is going to plunder, burn, and kill. See, this is the backdrop of this verse. So you want to read it again. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. See, when you enter into that city, now listen, when you enter in that city, here's where you're going to go. You're going to go into the tower. And if you're not a fighting person, you will stay at the base of that tower while the gates of the city are closed. If you're a fighting person, you're going to ascend the stairs either outside the tower or inside the tower. And you're going to go up to a flat parapet where you can fight the enemy. But when you walk into and run into that city, all of a sudden there's going to come into you what came into my wife when we made it home safely from those tornado and that tornado environment. You're going to feel that sense of we're safe. We made it. See, when these storms make a mess of our lives and you listen, you've been in a storm. You're either in a storm, heading into a storm or coming out of one. We've all been in storms and they make a mess of our lives. And when they do, God will show us a side of him we've never seen before. If we are pursuing him, he will put between sometimes. Listen, God sometimes will put us between a rock and a hard place. Into a situation, meaning that has no positive or good outcome, rock and a hard place. Allowing us sometimes to hit rock bottom so that we can see that he is the rock at the bottom. Are, if, are you in a financial mess right now? I just read an article today. If you're in massive credit card debt, you can oftentimes lose the hope that you'll ever get out of it. Are you in a marriage that is unraveling? It seems there is no return to health in that marriage. Are you breaking your heart, breaking over a wayward child? Is, is there a physical illness? Listen, it could be a number of things that come into our lives. They're all storms. And when they come into our lives, God will reveal himself to you. For the name Jehovah also means the self-revealing one. God wants us to know him. And we, we cannot know him unless he is revealing himself to us. 
And when these storms and threats invade our lives, the Bible says we are to run. We are to flee to our God. Don't sit and examine your options. Don't try and find your shortcut through the storm. It's probably not going to happen. There is no other hope. There's no other tower that can help you. No other power. The righteous man, look what it says. The righteous man runs into it. But there is a strong tower, Judge judges says, within the city. And all the men and the women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in. And they went up to the roof of the tower. That's what we are to do. Climb inside Jehovah. All right. All Lord, all capital letters, Lord. This is what I know about Jehovah. Pastor Tim taught me. I've learned from other places. He won't change. He reveals himself to me. Nobody gave him birth. His power is in him. And he holds all power. And he is covenantally faithful. He cannot possibly do anything but uphold his promises. If he broke his promise... He could not exist. God is covenantally faithful. And to run point B, the second one, to run into something is to wholeheartedly place your trust into it. Number one, you got to run into the tower. You don't meander. Secondly, if you're going to run into something, that means you're trusting wholeheartedly that something or that someone. To run into the name of the Lord is to completely trust the character of God that his name reveals. Don't debate. Listen, don't get in a discussion group and wonder and discuss and debate whether this is true, what the Bible says about God. Don't study for information in order to decide whether or not you could trust God. Don't start discussion groups to decide if God is worthy truly to run into. Don't wait till things get desperate. Don't wait till you make yourself presentable to him. And by the way, this is a mistake that a lot of Christians make. Don't reinvent God to be who you want Him to be and then run into Him. Because He's revealed Himself in His names and the way that He wants to be known and He's clearly done it through His Word. So your response is simply to run into what the Word says about the name of God because that's His character. But I want my God to never be angry. I want him to be always kind and like a gentle grandfather. Jehovah the I am who is above us will not be changed by anyone. He is who he says he is. He is who is he's revealed himself to be in the word. So we're studying God's word to know him in order to take action and become mighty in our faith. We're to run into that strong tower. For we live in a world at war with Christians. Listen, if you're a Christian, the world's at war with you. I mean, you you know you're in a battle, right? And the prince of the air, the commander of this world, is trying to undermine your faith. And he brings these storms sometimes... Sometimes they're divinely, they're always divinely appointed, but sometimes they're coming straight from Satan. And when they come into your life, he's got one goal. Here's his goal, that you 
might prove your faith of failure. God has a goal as well that you might prove your faith genuine and bring him glory. Satan wants to prove your faith of failure and steal glory from God. God wants to prove your faith genuine and bring his name fame. There's two polarizing goals, but that's what's happening when storms in our lives come to our gates. Look what verse 12 says. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. That word destruction, it's a word that describes the result when a dream is crushed. You ever had a dream crushed? That's the word destruction. Isaiah used the word to express the result of sin by showing a picture of a wall shattering. So picture this, a wall shattering or a dream crushed, and now you've got the word destruction. Before destruction, before our dreams are crushed, we're prideful, we're haughty, our eyes will not lower for anybody, including God. That's what it means to be haughty. But humility comes before honor. Do you see what Solomon's teaching his son? Now listen, here it is. I'm going to put it so simple that even I can understand it. This is what makes sense to me. If we're going to learn to run into the strong tower of Jehovah, where the righteous are safe, our pride's got to be crushed. Because you can't fit into that tower full of pride. You can't go underneath the portcullis of that castle if you're lifted up in pride. So God's got to bring that storm, and when He brings that storm, it begins to crush our pride and how the mighty fall when the proud will not seek humility because humility is self-forgetfulness. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So humility is self-forgetfulness. I don't want me in the middle of the bubble of the level. I want God in the middle, and I want my friends in the middle, and I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. That's self-forgetfulness. You ever had your children when a loud noise occurs or a stranger comes up that they don't know and they run to your legs and they cling to your legs? Listen, that's what it means to be humble and to run into the strong tower of Jehovah. There's a storm in life coming and we can't get out of it. We can't navigate through it. We don't have the power, but the I am has the power. The I am's power is in himself. Our powers borrowed, but not God's. You come to God, you cling to his leg and the righteous are safe. But there's one more point underneath the second one. You gotta run to it. You gotta place yourself, your trust wholeheartedly in Christ or in God. But the third one is our strong tower is Christ. Our strong tower is Jesus. He is our Savior. He is our friend. He is God. The righteous man who runs into that tower. Listen, this is, this is important. The righteous man is the one who has been made righteous by the sacrifice of Christ. It's not somebody that has been so good in life 
and attended church so much and been so nice to older people that God says, I deem you righteous. There's nobody that's good. All people have fallen short of God's perfection and standard. Listen, the one who is righteous is the one who has said, God, I can't make it. I am covered in sin. You've got to do something for me. And he says, I did. I did it through my son, Jesus, on that cross. Why don't you cry out in faith to me because I'll save you. And the moment you cry out to faith, he says, you know what? I've been waiting for that. I'm going to take your sins and I'm going to put them all onto Christ that moment he died on that cross. And I'm going to take his righteousness and I'm going to put it all into your bank account. And your account is full. Full before me. You're not lacking. There is no shame. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You're not carrying a, a ball and chain of guilt any longer. God has redeemed you. He bought you out of that. He's put you into Christ. He's made you righteous. It's the righteous who run into Jesus. And that's the gospel. You want to know a definition of the gospel? It's this. God saved us who could not save ourselves. He did it through his son. And he did it for the fame of his glory. That's the gospel. And the gospel always has a from and a for. And he saved us from eternal condemnation and death. And he saved us for a life of joyful service. So what's the gospel? It's God saving us who could not save ourselves. Saved us from eternal death. He saved us for a life of joyful service. And he did it through his son, Jesus Christ, so that his fame would rise and his glory would be made known. That's the gospel. And our prideful hearts drift from this truth until, now listen, until that storm blows back into your life and all of a sudden shatters your pride and lets you stoop back into that strong tower of Jehovah. Listen, when the storms come, and they're coming, because you're either in one, coming out of one, or heading into one. They are divinely appointed means of God to help you know who he is as Jehovah. But there's one more point, and it's this. Christian, you need to know how safe you are in Christ. You need to know how safe you are in Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Know your God, run to Him, and you will be safe. And if you ask an ancient Jew, what is the most priceless, precious commodity on earth? You almost always will hear this answer. And here it is, you ready? Shalom, or peace and well-being. There is nothing greater to a Jew than peace because it's what God gives to his people. And because we know Jehovah, we can have peace even in the storm. Now listen, you hear the doctor say cancer. 
And yet you can be safely secure in the knowledge that Jehovah is utterly faithful. He is unchanging in his good and merciful ways. And he can bring you treasures of peace. You could be rocked when your spouse abandons you. Yet to know that Jehovah will come around you with a love that is so utterly strong. It will help you do more than survive but thrive. You will be flooded with peace. You can be persecuted at work for your faith, yet know the one who spoke, listen, spoke from a fiery bush that was not consumed. Empowers an enduring, confident faith and trust. When you get into those fiery trials, listen, that bush shows us that in Jehovah, you won't be consumed. To have yet another car repair and know that God has all sufficient resources drives away fear. The strong tower name of God speaks of ever sufficient power for his people in every single situation. So Christian, rest. For God will lift you up above your enemies onto the high places of safety. The wealth and the strong tower of God is a continual feast of peace. It's unassailable. Listen, there's no power of any enemy that can breach that tower. You are continually and entirely safe. And no power can pluck you out of Jehovah's hand. And this is what's taught here in this passage of verse 10. You are eternally secure because of the one in whom you have run. You know, my all-time favorite movie series, bar none, is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Did you know that Tolkien later regretted what he named the second installment of his book series, The Two Towers. He didn't like that name. He was under a deadline pressure. He had to come up with a name, so he came up with Two Towers, but he didn't like it. But one could easily see the Two Towers in this passage. For where, while the people of God, look at your verses, while the people of God are invited into the strong tower of Jehovah, listen, there is a seductive invitation to another strong fortress. And again, we see what Pastor Matthew taught us and what Matt Potter taught us. There's two paths of Proverbs. There's a path of wisdom and a path of folly. And many, even, listen, even those who claim the name of God can enter into the second tower of folly. Here it is, verse 11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. Same word for strong as in verse 10. And like a high wall in his imagination. Listen, this tower's safety, this wealth is an illusion. It's a product of one's own imagination. Paul warns us about it. He said, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes. Illusion, imagination. Set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but... On God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. How seductive riches are. I mean, have you ever thought that whispery thought? And be honest, if I just have more money, I'll be secure and happy and at peace and I don't have to worry anymore. Be really fun to have a conversation with Howard Hughes, the richest man on the planet when he was alive, multi-billionaire, 
when he died in the top floor penthouse of his suite, inches long corkscrewing fingers, needle marks from drugs up and down his arms, black teeth rotting out of his mouth, long hair grotesquely disfigured. That's Howard Hughes when he died. It's insane by all reasonable standards. He he did what verse 11 says. He found his strong city of riches and put his hope into that. And it was an illusion. It was an imagination. He would not run into Jehovah. He would not run into the Lord's strong tower. And it emaciated his soul. See, peace comes when you are right with God. And he floods the hearts of his children who know his name and run into it. I love how the psalmist says this as we close. And those who know your name put their trust in you, O Jehovah, have not forsaken. You, O Jehovah, have not forsaken those who seek you. Listen, you know Jehovah's name, you know God's name, and you run into it, you will put your trust in Him, and when those storms, which are coming, or here, or just were, those storms will not move you to verse 11, they will move you to verse 10, and you will find shalom, peace and well-being. Jehovah, our self-revealing Unchanging in all of all of his ways, utterly faithful to all of his promises. God invites us to come and know him and you will find him to be the strong tower of safety. Are you ready to spend the summer with us? Knowing God through his names. Listen, I will promise you a rare promise. You come faithfully. And you come ready to study and to live it out. You will be utterly blessed this summer. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so excited because I know I am going to know you more. And I'm going to know you better. And Lord, I know you're going to shape me and you're going to increase my faith and I need it and I think I stand before my brothers and sisters many of whom would say the same thing we do not know you well enough so Lord I pray that we will be excited to go on this journey of studying your names I pray that you will profit our souls